Welcome back to another episode of Sweatin' Bullets, a bulletproof fantasy football podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Diaz Pincounter. You can follow me on Twitter at Diaz Pincounter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. You can follow him on Twitter at a formerly jumbled mess of numbers or letters, and now it's just super, super boring. Jacob Sanderson. That's it. That's the whole the whole handle. How are you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, man. I'm doing good. I'm feeding the ducks. Or happy, happy holidays, rather. Happy holidays. Remember what we're supposed to say. For anybody okay. who's been on StreamYard, like, I don't know if you guys ever used the music sentence, but feeding the ducks, which is what you're listening to right now, and what you'll be listening to for the entire two hours of this podcast. No, I'm kidding. We're going to stop. I just, it's a 60-minute uh, podcast. At I this was such a jam. Story. I this was such a jam. And you know how much of a jam it is? Is We've been talking pre-show for like an hour. <laughs> And we've had it on loop, and it has started and ended about 14 times. So the ducks, they're well fed. Um, the Christmas goose is well fed. You know, we're all well fed. We had stuffing, we had turkey. Uh, if you started Cam Akers, you know, you're certainly well fed. Um, Brew, of course, notably, uh, believes Cam Akers is still an elite running back. And so we're going to lead off. Drew, was, Drew had the absolute goal. The victory lap, his take, that Cam Akers should have been purchased for a late 23 second, for a mid 24 second, and for Rashad White, the greatest running back of our generation. That was his take uh, in the Discord in September. It was a bad take. And then he decided to victory lap it all because of one game. Uh, And yeah, we'll discuss like... Was that a good? Was that actually a good take? Was it a bad take? Should we be buying Cam Akers now? Is Cam Akers back? Is Cam the Ram back? Also, I'm gonna stop feeding the ducks. So apologies, but if people, by popular request, people want the entirety of the podcast next week to be recorded in the background of feeding the ducks, I will, I will oblige. Yeah, leave a podcast review on Apple or Spotify wherever you listen. Let us know. Feed the ducks or do not feed the ducks. Are we pro? This already. Or negative towards duck uh, feasting. Anyways, Cam Akers, Cam the Ram is is uh, certainly not elite. So don't be putting those words whoa, in my mouth. Whoa, whoa! Cam Akers Ram was a wonderful buy, a wonderful buy way back in September when he barely did anything. In week one, he saw three carries, ran four routes, scored zero point zero fantasy football points. He was in your lineup. And you're very sad about it. And that is why we pounced. We were able to get him for late seconds with, yeah, in Dynasty, which was far too much. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The The premise of that was that we were buying contingent upside, which we do all the time. Anytime you can buy a primary backup that could actually just be the starter without an injury to the starter, you should probably just do that. And uh, when you can do it for a late second, that's certainly at the price point when you want to do that. Well, the, the flaw in your in your system was that you also included two other running backs who would fall into the description of a backup who could be the starter in Khalil Herbert and Rashad White, who are both better than Cam Akers and much better bets than Cam Akers. And Rashad White still holds more value than Cam Akers. Khalil Herbert, after getting injured in Cam Akers' most recent game, I think as of today, finally has fallen below Cam Akers in value after a season being ahead. Well, like of all of the of all of the running backs that you can pick in this morass of mediocrity, why why pick the bad one? Uh, well, the other ones were probably also bad. 
and had little to no hope of just simply taking the job. I mean, Rashad White literally went from a straight backup to an even timeshare over the course of the season with an actual established starter, Leonard Fournette, as a rookie. Mm -hmm. That just happened. Yeah. And Leonard Fournette is not going away. And Daryl Henderson is probably going away. He's like 28 years old. Bye-bye, Daryl Henderson. He's already gone. He's already gone. I mean, Daryl Henderson was never really Cam Akers' problem. Cam Akers is Cam Akers' problem. Like, That's my point! That, I don't think that at any point anyone was ever being like, man, Cam Akers is such a great talent, but he's really being held back by Daryl Henderson. Like, Daryl Henderson, no, that's not the case. Of course, that's my point. Daryl Henderson was inconsequential. Leonard Fournette And, and yet still somehow was started the year above Cam Akers. Maybe that's because Cam Akers is not very good. Well, I don't know. Basically, the argument was if Cam Akers is somehow able to regain the lead of his backfield, which is not an insurmountable mountain when we're talking about Daryl Henderson and uh, gets a 70% plus snap share, you know, to end the season, scores somewhere in the neighborhood of 14, 15 points per game. Everyone's going to get all back in on Cam Akers. And which was going wrong to because, happily... because Rashad White, who's in a split backfield, is still worth considerably more. Than Cam Akers, who has done exactly what you just said. Give it time. It's been two days since his wonderful semifinal bludgeoning of the competition that was probably not in anyone's lineup on purpose. (laughs) You played against me in one semifinals. Luckily, we persevered. I played against him in one semifinal as well. It was great. I I was still able to come up with a W. Uh, But basically what we're looking at with Cam Akers, just just to, to sum this whole thing up, we were buying a contingent running back that had an insurmountable starter. That was the whole like buy case for Cam Akers. Then we have an easy, easy narrative. And you're, you've seen it on Twitter already. Cam Akers is now healthy. He tore his Achilles yeah, tendon. He's Cam Akers again. out of the woodwork. I mean, out of hiding. I, I thought they were in a witness protection program eating marinara sauce. And they're uh, back. Right, ketchup, ketchup instead of marinara sauce. That's, that's the quote. But you're all back. You've like crawled out. Of your holes wherever you were to come and stand so, my stance is i have no idea if he's back or not it doesn't really matter to me what i'm looking at at this point is he's probably not long for the starters chair like i'm not betting on cam Akers being a starting running back in the nfl for the next four years that's not at all what i'm saying what i'm saying is that it was foreseeable that there would be a instance in which cam Akers would regain the lead control of the backfield that was not a there was no like uh what would be the word there was yeah there's there's not an insurmountable starter it wasn't leonard fournette it wasn't david montgomery who is still an insurmountable insurmountable. leonard fournette has literally proven not be insurmountable a star as a starter in the sense that he hasn't started a game in a month and he's still getting like what he's still getting 70% of the opportunities it's literally just dependent on the drives. They literally just rotate every isn't it, drive. Isn't it interesting that Leonard Fournette's drives outlast Rashad White's drives? This is, this, is, this is literally an argument that if it didn't serve your priors, <laughs> you would skewer in every single circumstance. This uh, Everything that you believe about both stats, <laughs> sample sizes, and the running back position in the NFL – is being entirely ignored for the purposes of your man crush on Leonard Fournette. 
Uh, I and just your hatred to, of Rashad White. I would I would love for the masses listening to the podcast to know that I was laughing hysterically while saying that entire segment. It was great. Uh, the point is that Leonard Fournette is not relegated to a backup role in which he's not on the field. That's the point. Daryl right. Daryl Henderson is no longer even on the team. No longer on any team, in fact. I think he's going to look great in CFL. It's going to be a, a wonderful addition to the to my Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Let's go. We got to get back to the promised land. I think I don't think we've been very good lately. I don't know. I haven't watched CFL in what? Yeah, well, you guys can save Trent Richardson, so I don't know if you'll be able to save their. I, I don't think I've watched CFL since the Riders did that thing where they like put too many men on the field for the extra point or whatever <laughs> or the field goal. Yeah, they lost the Great Cup because of too many men on the field. <laughs> it's brutal. Anyways. <laughs> With Cam Akers at this point, what we're doing with Cam Akers is we are sitting tight. We're going to go ahead and let this play out. He's seeing 70% opportunity share the last four weeks. Probably going to continue the last two weeks of the season. And then we're going to let the hype machine on Twitter let everyone know that Cam Akers is now fully healed. He got healthy suspiciously directly on week 13. That was when his health returned to peak form. And we're going to let that wave ride right into the future. And we are going to unload Cam Akers prior to the NFL draft, prior to the for, first for, for probably to exactly what you wanted to buy him for earlier, which will be a mid. <laughs> yeah. He's already up sig- substantially from where we were buying him earlier. Way up, way up. So, it's, so he's up to what, a mid-second? Uh, what is he up to? Let's just let's just let's just let's just confirm where we're at with Cam Akers. I mean, you started the up from where he was a month after you said goodbye. You could trade. You could trade Cam Akers right now. Get this. You could okay. trade Cam Akers straight yeah. up, no additions, for one Gabriel Davis. Yeah, I mean, what's that? What's that meme on Twitter? These two are having a mid off. <laughs> I'm pretty that sure that's uh, only a cash that posts that. Actually, it's a cosh. So he is now uh, greater yeah, than a mid-second. He is fully on route to an early second. We have we have grossed a tremendous amount of profit. Windfalls here. Uh, here's what I'm curious about, right? You like to do these keep trade cut commentaries, right? I, I would just like you to actually make a transaction in line with these keep trade cut prices. Just for the people. I would just like to see, I would just like to see you go to your league mates with these keep trade cut screenshots. And secure secure this bag. Okay, Show us you, the money. Show us the Cam Akers. Are you implying split. that you cannot trade Cam Akers for a mid to early second I'm, at this point? I'm absolutely implying that. Yes, that is outrageous. I'm sure that you can in some spots. I'm not. I'm, I'm sure that you can in some spots. spots as well. I'm definitely not implying that in 100 of leagues you cannot. Yeah, but I'm no, definitely implying that. That, in, that that you cannot in every single league go to your league mates and as a currency exchange, simply put cam makers on the block, walk into your leech out the next morning and see the early second arrive there in this place. So I'm seeing cam makers traded on December 27th, straight up for George Pickens, who's worth a mid first, by the way. Well, worth is a certain term. I would prefer the term valued as by the market. <laughs> As opposed He's to valued at by the market, implies that that is a sensible valuation. A mid first, so there you have it. That's great news. I'm seeing for the record, Cam Akers trade. For the record, for... I would rather have George Pickens than Cam Akers, despite as would everything I. I feel about George Pickens. So that that's like the only trade. Oh no, there's there's four here. Uh, okay. There's a Romeo Dubs and Cam Akers for a first and a bunch of fourths. 
whoever traded first for Romeo Dubs and Cam Akers is probably really bad at Dynasty. You know, on Fantasy Calc, they don't actually tell you who it is. It's, it's disappointing. And it, is, is, is that you? That's you? You traded the first for Dubs and Cam Akers? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's anonymous. Absolutely. Uh, and then there's actually two separate trades. This happened twice in the last, okay. literally today. Today, it happened twice today. Wow, four, Cam four Akers. Oh my goodness. Cam Akers for Michael Carter straight up today. That's I mean, insane. I mean, I, I guess I'd rather have Cam Akers. You would. You would absolutely rather have Cam He's, Akers. You, that's like worse than a mid-off. That's, that's like a, that's, that's just, I mean, look, there are not that many running backs who, have both a lower percentage of rushes over expected and a lower rush yards over expected per attempt. Um, in fact, the only running backs who are worse than Cam Akers in both of those stats, there are only one, two, three, four of them. But Michael Carter is one of them. So that's, that's, that's impressive. So great job to whoever sold Michael Carter for Cam Akers. You're getting a <laughs> substantially better running back. Efficiency. I mean, look, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think Michael Carter sucks and I think Cam Akers sucks. Um, but... At least Cam Akers isn't current, didn't currently get cut by a rookie, a UDFA that his team traded for and later made healthy and active, and another UDFA all in the same season. That's like an epic level of cucker. He got thrice cucked after an entire offseason of people saying that he wasn't actually a day three pick because the Jets would have drafted him in the third if they had a third round pick. Um, Michael would have been a third round pick if you don't count the fact that he was actually drafted in the fourth round Carter thrice cocked <laughs> in 2022. Uh, yeah, Cam Akers is better. Uh, you know what's going to happen, right? deserve everything that they get. But you know what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen is you're going to get people saying, so I guess we're not going to talk about this, dot, 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 dot. Since That's week literally Derek Brown. Eyeball. That's just a Derek Brown tweet. You're just reading a tweet from Derek Brown. That's true. People are going to say these things. <laughs> There's eyeballs now. Since week 11, Cam Akers, eyeballs, minimum 20 carries, yards after yeah. contact per attempt, 22nd, which is not impressive at all. Right. You know, you know, you know, the bar is low and people are celebrating being in the bottom third of starting running backs. People are like, this guy is a below average starting running back and nobody's <laughs> talking about it. But, but he goes on, missed tackles force, fifth, immediately ahead of Nick Chubb. Noted Nick Chubb sucks. PFS <laughs> elusive rating, seventh, immediately ahead of Najee Harris, who we all know is very elusive, and Austin yeah, Eckler. elusive guy. He says, okay, okay, I mean, there's, a, there's a gif of Cam Akers doing like a jump cut, I guess. Okay. And then, then he goes to his eyeball. So I think we're seeing the eye of the tiger or the eye of the ram, likely. Right. My, my favorite ways of proving a player's value is to both use an arbitrary cutoff as to the week sampled and an arbitrary collection of stats. <laughs> like when you when you combine an arbitrary collection of stats that you choose to apply to an arbitrary collection of weeks that you choose, and one of those stats still has that player below the average starting running back in the NFL, that's when you know this player just can't fail. See, but here's the thing. This is going to be all over Twitter all offseason. It's going to be talking about how Cam Akers is going to get about Rashad White and Khalil Herbert on all offseason. Are you crazy? Okay, Khalil Herbert. Rashad White, he's terrible. People love Rashad White. There's a reason why Rashad White is over 4,000 keep trade cut points right now. They think that he's one of the worst rushers in the NFL. They think he's the second coming of David Johnson, man. They do. They do. He is a one for one comp of David Johnson, just like Sky Moore is of what's his name? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Here, okay, here's the thing with Rashad White. 
So I love Rashad White as a prospect. And and I've said this, I think, before in the show. You don't, but... though. You don't love Rashad White as a prospect. No, I... Okay, you used present tense. I used past tense. Yeah, you know, Mostly you in the sense that he was a prospect. prospect. No, I loved him as a prospect. No. Um, no but no, I loved him in the sense that. of, like, I didn't really have much of an opinion as to whether he was good. Like, I didn't think that he was, like, obviously bad, and I didn't think that he was obviously good. So then you didn't love him as a prospect. Whatever. I agree. Um, what I loved was that he is good size, runs fast, and catches a lot of passes um, because I was like, basically at the worst case scenario, if this guy ever falls into a bunch of touches, he's going to score a bunch of fantasy points just by like factor of existence. Um, and maybe he's really good. You never know. Um, and and then so far, I think what we've seen this season is that first off, yes, if he falls into a bunch of touches, he's going to score a bunch of fantasy points. Like he scores fantasy points on a per snap basis, at a very high rate. And in the one game that Leonard Fournette missed entirely, he had a 90% snap rate. Do you think that there's a chance that his points per snap are buoyed by the fact that he plays with Tom Brady? Oh, massively. Yeah, massively. Do you think Tom Brady is going to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year? Probably not. So we're going to get a very negative narrative around Rashad White next year. I think that Rashad White somehow is like the Teflon man. Like, So I've been getting into this why why I like Rashad White. Um, And I still like Rashad White in like a sense – but what I would say is that like, I now like Rashad, I like Rashad White. And this will sound really negative, but for those who like follow me in the Discord, they know this is actually a compliment in a weird way. I like Rashad White for all the same reasons I like Samaj AP Ryan, in the sense that like I always like these kinds of running backs who are like not very good, probably career backups, but are like all-purpose backups, right? Like you see some backfields, it's like the starter goes out. And all of a sudden the backfield's useless because one guy can only play on early downs and then one guy plays on pass downs. And it's like, you don't even know who to start and it's all game script dependent. Whereas like a Samaje P. Ryan type, it's like Joe Mixon goes out, he just plays all of the snaps. He's not particularly good at anything, but he like is capable enough at everything. Um, and he can catch passes and he has a size. Like, he plays all the snaps, you just plug and play him and you know what you're going to get. I love rostering those running backs in Dynasty because they usually have no value. And you never have to worry about them when the starter plays. And as soon as the starter goes out, you just plug them into your lineup at RB2. You don't even think about it. And you're just going to collect points. And I think that that's probably Rashad White's career. Like, I I will say that similar to the Rams, to be fair to Cam Akers, the Bucks' offensive line can't block shit. So I don't think it's a coincidence that both Leonard Fournette and Rashad White grade so lowly in all forms of running back quote-unquote advanced metrics right like i don't think that rashad white's actually like one of the worst running backs in the league i think that however he's just like a very mediocre running back who could probably look decently good if he was in a good situation and probably looks really bad when he's in a bad situation and i don't know will he be the lead running back next year i mean i think it's possible do i think tampa's going to go out and invest heavily in a running back probably not they're probably just going to bring back leonard fournette and rashad white and see what happens can, can we go back to Samaj P. Ryan for just one second? Because I think you made a great point. Uh, he's like basically free and he's the primary bell cow backup. And we should probably all be rostering him at this point. <laughs> yeah, he... I, got, I have a saying in the Discord. I call him the Samaj P. line, which is that any yeah. wide receiver who is below the Samaj P. line is a wide receiver I don't want to roster. If you, if you, can't, start, if you can't envision starting this wide receiver, then you just, then you just cut him for Samaj P. Ryan. So interestingly, it just, it, this doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but it, it's just fascinating to me. So some of you may know, 
many of you probably know. We have very hardcore listeners to the show. Samaje Pirine and Joe Mixon played together in college at Oklahoma. Samaje Pirine, noted superstar, had a 3.9% target share in college. That's like worse than Ronald Jones, I think. (laughs) Actually, that might be the same as Ronald Jones. It's really bad. It's exceptionally bad. Joe Mixon, on the other hand, had a 12.7, 89th percentile college target share in college. And now in the NFL, we're seeing Savage P. Ryan catching passes and Joe Mixon still catching passes, but not as many as we would like because of the presence of Samaje P. Ryan. It's just freaking crazy that we've had this like kind of role reversal where Joe Mixon is kind of like not thought of by what the hell is the coach's name? Zach Taylor? No, Joe, Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders have the exact same role, except that Joe Burrow throws to running backs and Jalen Hurts doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just wild. Like I, I just can't believe that Joe Mixon is getting taken off the field in place of Samaj P. Ryan when they played the reverse in college, <laughs> the complete reverse. It's crazy. Anyways, Samaj P. Ryan, go get him. He's going to be a very valuable addition to your team in the event of a Joe Mixon injury. It's great. Samaj P. Ryan, he's one of my favorite players in Dynasty. Yeah, I love that guy. I, yeah, like I, I just, I yeah, you're right. You nailed it. Great job, everyone. Uh, anyway, and yeah, that's probably Rashad White's future. Also, ironically, both were like borderline first round rookie picks. Samaje Piran went in the first round of many of my dynasty rookie yeah. drafts back in 2017. Yeah, like actually was selected in the first round of super flex drafts. Mind yeah, you, he had, he had he a higher ADP than Nick Chubb in several I, spots. You know what? But Matt, pause the show. I need to go back and look and see if this actually happened or if my memory is is not working properly. Samaji Piram is the original Damian Pierce. Uh, and, and then I believe that Samaji Piran was immediately cocked by, I want to say, Fat Rob Kelly. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, Matt, roll it again. So I just want to I want to touch on Samaj P. Ryan, the, the the rookie, because this is hilarious. I have a I have a league that's been running for quite a few years now. In 2017, we had a rookie draft. In 2017's rookie draft, I'm looking at the board right now. I'm going to tell you, let's let's go through the order because this is what's really important about rookie drafts. First pick of the draft, 101 in 2017 Superflex rookie draft, Corey yeah. Davis. Makes sense, right? There was Patrick Mahomes, there's Deshaun oh, yeah. Watson, there's Mitch Trubisky, yeah. there's Leonard Fournette, there's Christian McCaffrey, there's Dalvin Cook. No, there's these Jones are two, these are, wait, this is, is this a Samaj P. Ryan draft? Yeah, yeah. And Corey Davis went one. Then we got Leonard Fournette at two, Christian McCaffrey at three, Joe Mixon at four. Nothing really crazy. Patrick Mahomes went at five, and that was considered a reach at the time. Right. Dalvin Cook went at six. Mitch Trubisky at seven, Evan Ingram and David Njoku at eight and nine. Yeah. Mike Williams at 10, OJ Howard at 11, Samaj P. Ryan at 112. Have yeah. you noticed who I haven't said yet? Have you not said Deshaun Watson yet? I have not said Deshaun Watson yet. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> then we have Marlon Mack at the 201, Deshaun Kaiser at 202. Oh, boy. Alvin Kamara, 203, and then we finally have Deshaun Watson. That's crazy. This is why. He wasn't even the first Deshaun drafted. What's that? He wasn't even the first Deshaun drafted. They had to get Kaiser first. It's just wild to me. I, I, 
like if you go back and look at your old rookie drafts, you're going to see a lot of inefficiencies in the draft, which yeah. is why rookie drafts are so valuable. You can make so much profit in rookie drafts. Anyways, the moral of the story here is that Samaj P. Ryan won the first round of one of my Superflex tight end premium. And yeah, we've got completely sidetracked. But what I was trying to say was that Rashad White is such a weird case in that, like, I felt like nerd Twitter, nerd Twitter or, like, specifically nerd running back Twitter, like, basically, like, my, like, my little section of the Venn diagram, like, the people who, like, are, like, data analysts. But then kind of, like, in terms of data dynasty folks, I would say that in running backs, we generally, like, further splinter into two camps. Like, there's, like, the volume nihilists, right, like you and, like, Harstad uh, and, like, folks that are, like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, take the guys with the opportunity share and I don't really care who's good and who's bad or whatever else. And then there's, like, the other section to which I generally belong, which is, like, more talent-focused and, and using data to, to decipher that. And I would say that my, like, crew really like Rashad White as a prospect. Um, and I think because of that, he still, like, has the reputation of being a really good running back. And I think in part, like, he might also have that based on, like, Leonard Fournette just being consensus bad. And I feel like people are so used to, like, the Zeke Pollard, like, situation, right? Where it was like, oh, Zeke's so bad. Pollard's so good. And then that became, like, actually true that Pollard was really good. And I don't think enough people have, like, stopped to realize that Rashad White actually has also been really bad. And he's, like, meaningfully no different from Leonard Fournette in any way. And he's probably bad. Um, but for whatever reason, people still have, like, a lot of excitement about him. Um, and I don't think that's warranted, but I also don't think it's going to stop um, any any particular time soon. Do you know that R- R- Rashad White is actually 23.9 years old right now? Yeah. Do you remember when, when there was a, a poll in November, on November 16th that Akash posted that asked if people would rather have Rashad White or Najee Harris in Dynasty, and, and, the, and the majority said Rashad White? Idiots. And I, and, I, and I, as a Rashad White former lover and a Najee Harris lifelong hater, um, I, I quote tweeted that and I said, Ugh, Twitter is going to force me to become a Najee guy. I hate this. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm becoming yeah. a Najee guy because this is dumb. Yeah. So Rashad White is a big sell, unfortunately. Uh, I hate that. I like Rashad White. I like running backs like Rashad White, but uh, I think he's a big sell. Uh, Cam Akers is also a big sell. And Khalil, Khalil Herbert is the one guy who got left out. He, he's probably the guy that I'd be most interested in buying. Because I think he has a pretty reasonable chance of being the lead back for the Bears in 2023. Because David Montgomery is a free agent. Khalil Herbert has been excellent this year. Uh, and the Bears are really bad. And is it possible that they go out and they add a big ticket running back? Of course. Is it possible that they re-sign David Montgomery? Of course. But um, I don't know. I'm not, quite, I'm not quite selling my Khalil Herbert shares yet. I think I'd rather roll the dice, see where it lands... Worst case scenario, I get a back that's talented who stays as a backup. Best case scenario, I get a guy who's going to have a shit ton of hype in the summer if he actually looks like he's going to be the clear lead guy, you know, and then I can probably sell him. But uh, he's he, that guy, like, I, I think the ceiling on his value is higher right now than the floor. Worst case scenario, he just remains a backup that people think are good. That's, that's, not, that's not the end of the world. Then he's like Elijah Mitchell. Except he's not good. So no, someday people Herbert are going to very, yeah, this is wrong. Glare Herbert is very, very good. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought you were talking about Rashad White. No, Rashad White's a bomb. Yeah, yeah. Clear, Clear Herbert, yeah, not very good. Totally get it. Yeah, should definitely not be holding value in Khalil Herbert at this point. He's valued quite highly. What is his value right now? 
It's slightly less than Cam Akers, and Khalil Herbert's good, and Cam Akers so is he's like a mid-second then. More likely to start. Khalil Herbert is a mid-second. Cam oh, Akers is already a starting running back. Yeah, you should definitely have Cam Akers over Khalil Herbert. Noted. I, I okay. Yeah. Can we go back to Leonard Fournette for a second? Because there's something that I just just popped in oh, my head. Yeah, we can talk about him. I call Cam, I call Leonard Fournette uh, the oyster because my 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 friend Gordon once said that he liked oysters because oysters were a vessel for sauce, and I always thought that was like a funny comment. And then I had like Jackson, my DMs like was mad about that. He, he thought that was disrespectful to oysters. I don't really care. I just thought it was a funny comment. Um, Leonard Fournette's just a vessel for fantasy points. Like he's not actually yeah. good. He doesn't like do anything, but it's just like, I, I, I roster a lot of Leonard Fournette. It's, it's, it's my guilty pleasure, right? He's like yeah. my Leonard Fournette is like my trashy reality television show. Like I don't admit it. I don't like to talk about it, but I, I have him on a million teams sure. and Oh my God, just watching him get out there and, swing his fat ass into the uh you know across the line and catch a three yard dump off and and get tackled immediately repeatedly nothing's more satisfying than that you know he's playing injured right now right oh yes he said he says that he has a list frank yeah yeah that's a pretty big deal yeah it's well it's such a it's such a it's such a severe departure from his usual uh efficiency that it's who, who probably why they're splitting series actually because he's he, far yeah, superior probably. The offense is yeah. way better when Leonard Fournette's on the field, but they just can't <laughs> give him that many touches. No, I do think – I mean, I think that Leonard Fournette is one of the bigger buys. Um, so, oh, for sure he is because he's and, so – like I mean, It's like the three horsemen. Here's all these running backs, right? I'm talking about this in the Discord today. I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time, that like there's all, all about how good the 2023 draft class and free agency class is at running back, right? That like really no running back is safe. You know, like whatever running back you think is a shirtle lead job, they're not. Like, uh, you know, why not just why not just buy the the lead running backs that everyone thinks sucks, right? Because at least at least it's not priced in, right? Buy Zeke, Connor, and Lenny, right? Don't buy Dalvin Cook and you know Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. Buy Zeke, Connor, and Lenny, right? Because the, uh, the no, there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, just everybody already thinks they're a bunch of bums. Okay, so you you maybe remember the 2020 class, right? There was there were some yes, guys in that class. Um, Keyshawn uh, Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn Zach was one Moss. of them. Zach Moss, Jonathan Taylor, all those three guys equal. Uh, yeah. In terms of pro- I'm kidding. Jonathan Taylor is a very good prospect, but he w- I made a tweet because everyone yeah. was saying he was generational, which he wasn't. But yeah, I was. made this tweet, and I was like, here is my top running back since 20-whatever, 16 or something. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like prospects, not in terms of NFL. Yeah. And it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire was obviously the top of the players I would never draft. But uh, Leonard Fournette is, was a pretty good prospect. And I had him ranked yeah, quite was. high in that list, maybe like three or four, I think, maybe two. I can't remember. He was very high. Anyways. And then I, I argue with someone else. And anyway, I got maybe this wasn't even the same thread. But anyway, I was arguing with Jax Falcone. You're probably familiar with, of course. He was the one talking about oysters, yeah, 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 right. He's the oyster guy. He and I were discussing Jonathan Taylor being not generational versus generational. I was like, he's not even as good of a prospect, yeah, right. Which he was like, insane. And then I was like, actually, Jonathan Taylor would be super lucky to have a Leonard Fournette career. And he was like, what? I was like, Leonard Fournette's been an RB1 like every year of his life. I would bet, I like at this point in their careers, where Leonard Fournette was already three or four years. He's, he's going to be an RB one this year. It's, it's like the it's like the quietest, least 
and, and not a fake RB1, by the way, right? Like, you know, Zeke has these fake RB1 seasons where he's like RB18 in points per game, and everyone's like, he's an RB1. Because he like played like, Leonard Fournette is going to be a points per game RB1 this year. Yeah. And, and people RB1. refuse to, people people refuse to, the, the mainstream media will not tell you that Leonard Fournette is a points per game RB1 this year. So the hilarious thing, now we're three years into Jonathan Taylor's career. So is James Conner, by the way, an RB1 this year. And uh, John Taylor, not an RB1 this year, which means that in their first three years, Leonard Fournette has three consecutive RB1 seasons and Jonathan Taylor has two total in three years. Jonathan Taylor is at a lower career arc than Leonard Fournette at the same point in time. It's wild. I'm kidding. Jonathan Taylor had a much higher ceiling than Leonard Fournette did in the NFL. But you know what is remarkably incredible is that remember early in the season when everybody was extremely excited about Nick Chubb? And we were like, this guy's probably going to end up between 15 to 17 points per game. And everybody's like, you morons. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got DMs for that, I think. Nick Chubb like, is currently the RB at 16.4 points per game. <laughs> he is not even a full point per game higher. And he is one spot higher in points per game than James Conner, the RB10, and Leonard Fournette, the RB11. It is entirely conceivable that by the end of this season, James Conner and Leonard Fournette finish ahead of Nick Chubb. Incredible. Yeah, so Leonard Fournette with 11 touchdowns. Tony Pollard ahead of all of them, by the way. Pardon me. Nick Chubb with 11 touchdowns. Tony Pollard is ahead of all of them. Yeah. (laughs) No, of course, Tony Pollard. Nick Chubb with 11 touchdowns in the first, what is it, nine games of the year? One touchdown since then in the last, like, six. I wonder if there was a chance that running hot on touchdowns would ever not continue into the future. If there was anything projectable or unprojectable about an outsized touchdown rate. Just predictable. We should talk about about Nick Chubb quickly because Nick Chubb. What's he talking about other than victory lap? It's just a victory lap and move on. There's nothing else. No. He's what he is. No, we need to talk about Nick Chubb because. Because. Many Cleveland Browns fans have decided that the reason why they're not winning football games is because Kevin Stefanski is being held at gunpoint by his analytical overlord, Paul D. Podesta, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> uh, that's literally true. That, that is let's Jonah just call him Jonah Hill from now on. Like, okay, so Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill is a gun to Kevin Stefanski's head. He says, you have to run these plays. You have to, you have to, you have to pass every single play, and and you're allowed to run, but when you do run, you can only run to set up play action passing. You you can't just run for the sake of running, because four yard runs have no value. You need to you need to run for seven yards to have value. You you need to try and get thirteen yard passes, and people are outraged at this this notion. Um, because they think that the way that the Cleveland Browns will win is by running Nick Chubb as much as possible, because that's how they won so many games previously was running Nick Chubb all the time on five and 11 teams. Um, Bucky Brooks, I imagine agrees. Bucky Brooks, I imagine thinks that Cleveland could be a tough football team if they ran Nick Chubb more. Um, I guess my, my question is, is just how is it that we're still having these debates? Like, how are we still having these ridiculous debates about running the football uh, not enough and, like, just using, like, counting stats of rushing attempts, not caring about score facts, thinking that running the ball is, like, the primary path to winning in the NFL, 
weirdly injecting toughness into things like why why is this why is this life why why have we not moved past this i think it's pretty clear that uh some people believe in facts and some people believe in alternative facts and uh are like the tweet there was a tweet today literally today that was hilarious it's a it's about this article from grossy that 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 yeah. uh, uh meat reporter or whatever he is this guy tweets about it and he's like, ah, Paul, the best is pretty much convinced owner Jimmy Haslam. The only way to build a Super Bowl team is by consistently throwing for explosive air quotes plays. It's real quotes in the, in the quote though. Right. Uh, in the passing yes. game, apparently no matter the weather conditions, blah, blah, blah. Stefanski's job is safe because he's following the Podesta's rules. Haslam so into the analytics that uh, try to, the head coaches try to please him by throwing the ball and blah 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 anyways the, the whole thing here is basically that the browns are running the ball and that's why they're not losing they're not tough enough they're throwing the ball sorry they're throwing the ball not running the ball that's why they're losing which is interesting totally interesting philosophy to say such things when all like you could literally go to google everybody has access to google if you have access to the internet if you're listening to the podcast you probably have access to google and if you were to google things like who has the most pass attempts in the nfl this year you would see that the Cleveland Browns do not, which is interesting because they're being forced to by Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill is forcing them. <laughs> and yet somehow they have managed to evade this force. And they're actually 20th in total pass attempts, which means they're not even in the top half of the freaking league. And they're 25th in early down pass rate. <laughs> but but I was told, I, I quoted that's, you this. That's because that's they're really only good. running to set up play action passing, even though – even though Kevin Stefanski is quoted mentioning Ben Baldwin's study on uh, there not being a relationship between establishing the run and play action efficiency. So why, why are they running at all? This whole thing really doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, like, if you go further beyond, like, early down pass rate, or did you say early down pass rate or pass rate over expected? I said early down pass rate, so but I imagine pass rate over expected tells a fairly similar story. Interestingly enough, pass rate over expected is supposed to tell you how many passes they throw over the expectation based on down and distance, based on the score, based on field position, etc. Normally, that's supposed to be pass rate over expected. Yeah. Except for in the case of the Browns, where Jonah Hill, even though holding them at gunpoint, is still allowing them somehow to pass for a negative pass rate over expected, which means it's in fact not over expected. It's a pass rate under expected by 6%, yeah. which is yeah. like you could figure all this out for yourself you don't need any special tool you don't need to be charting the freaking game you can literally just go to google and type in pass rate over expected or early down pass rate or total freaking pass attempts to see that the browns problem is not that they are passing too much that is clearly not the problem it's ridiculous their problem is mostly that their defense has been bad like, they actually had a pretty functional offense at Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Watson has been bad since he got there. I, I imagine that he will eventually not be bad. But, like, their season was realistically sunk before Deshaun Watson ever came there. And Jacoby Brissett was operating a perfectly successful passing offense. Um, and their defense was not good. If anything, the Browns are not tough because they can't stop the run. Not because they don't run. So the, the, the like, crowning moment of all this for me was that I quoted the guy who quoted, or like quoted the article, which is fine. Like, whatever. It's fine. You're allowed to quote T people to tell them that they're wrong. So I did that. 
And then he told me that I was in fact wrong and was missing the context of the situation because in fact what was happening was the Browns had been losing in like 12 of 13 second halves. Thus, I am wrong. And I was quite miffed at this assertion that I was wrong, that they were in fact not passing enough because they were losing in the second half. And he wants to tell me that I don't understand context of football. I just can't even. Cannot even. It's ridiculous. Like the fact that someone is arguing stats without even understanding stats should probably tell you everything you need to know about their argument right there. You don't need to know anything else. You know that everything they're saying doesn't have any foundation in reality and you can just move on. So anyways, what are we doing with Deshaun Watson? Are you buying Deshaun Watson? Yeah, Deshaun Watson. So we're going to, we're going to talk. All right. So we're going to talk about two more things for us to show. Okay, we're going to. Talk oh no! Wait, about... wait, wait! I want to talk about one other thing. I forgot the other thing. The tough thing. We forgot about the tough thing. I didn't talk about that. You okay. did. Well, Bucky Bucky Brooks says that uh, that you need to be tough to run. That you you can't be tough if you pass the football. If you run the football, you're tough. Apparently, toughness means winning, and that's stupid. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, that's dumb. And he's a buffoon. I, in fact, I quoted him, told him he's a buffoon, just. For a good measure. Here's here's an interesting thing. One of the things that I think is fascinating is that Tom Brady is a quarterback who plays football at a pretty high level throughout his career. And he won a lot of Super Bowls, which is kind of the goal of the whole game. And people often will go and say, we need to replicate last year's Super Bowl. And it happens all the time. When you, look at what the Bucks did. Look at, look at what the Rams did. They got a new quarterback. They sold everything to go and stock up. And they got a Super Bowl. We need to do that. It happens every year. Right. Nobody ever mimics fucking freaking Tom Brady. I'm sorry. Bleep that out. Matt, hashtag sorry, Matt. You're going to have to do some editing on that one. Tom Brady in his career in like the last, I don't know, since 2011, so many years, is that 11 years? This is how yeah. many years he has for over 600 attempts per year. That is an average of like 38 attempts a game or some somewhere thereabouts. So he's got 611, 637, 628, 582. That was a low year. That's about, uh, I don't know, eighth in the NFL in past attempts. Yeah. 624, 432 only in 12 games. So that would have equaled roughly on par with the rest. 581, 570, 613, 610, 719 last year on route to the playoffs, 13 and four. And then uh, 671 so far this year. Tom Brady throws a lot of freaking passes. And his teams have been tough enough somehow, some way to win the Super Bowl more than any team in the history of football. It's ridiculous. Tom Brady has more Super Bowl rings than the NFL. My favorite was an exchange where someone was replying to Bucky and, and they were like, yeah, but Bucky, the three teams with the highest pass that were expected this year uh, have been the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals. And those are like three of the top five highest odds in Super Bowls. It might have been raw pass attempts. Um, it was either pass rate over expected or raw pass attempts. I can't remember for for certain which. But it was the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, three of the top five Super Bowl favorites. And then someone replied, they were like, yeah, but that's not because they pass so much. It's because they have the best quarterbacks. And what I want to say to that is, yeah, no shit, it's the same fucking thing, you idiots. <laughs> no wonder the teams with the best quarterbacks are the teams that win the most games and have the best teams. Because the quarterbacks are the ones that pass, and passing is really important. I'm not really arguing that teams with shitty quarterbacks should pass 700 times. To be honest, 
I don't care what teams with really shitty quarterbacks do or don't do. What they should probably do is pass a lot. So they throw a lot of interceptions and they get the number one overall pick. But yeah, I guess if a team with a really shitty quarterback wants to win seven games instead of four, they should probably establish it. I, why does anyone care how tough a seven win team is? It's irrelevant. What matters is the good teams and the good teams should get the best quarterbacks if they want to be the best teams, and then they should let them throw a lot of passes. That's how it works. Yeah. It's completely right. This brings up another thing I just saw on Twitter the other day. It was, uh, or maybe it was even today. I don't remember. Everything's blending together at this point. There's that, uh, you probably saw too, that the the Packers are actually more dangerous this year than they were last year. <laughs> now we're like the seventh seed instead of the first seed. So, like, they're a better team, better playoff team now. Because they're going to let it rip. They're going to let it rip. They're going to let it rip. What a ridiculous thing to say. If the Chiefs could lose like the last seven games of the season and just squeak into the playoffs, they would be a better team. What What a – like, give your head a shake. Anyways, that was you know, – that was on the show sheet. I'm sorry. I just – it triggered in my brain. I'm triggered. Fantasy analyst triggered. Ah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, – or Whoa. I just lost my two. Well, what about we get to Deshaun Watson? We get to talk to Deshaun okay. Watson. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Deshaun Watson. Okay. Uh, what are we doing with Deshaun Watson? I'm buying Deshaun Watson. There we go. Is that fun? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy him too. So move on. Let's go. Okay, no, but okay. for real, for real, this is pretty simple. Okay. Deshaun Watson, first of all, he's very young. He's only 27 years old. So there's no risk of any physical issues. Um I, I heard, I can't remember who made this art who made this comparison before. Um, so I apologize. I want to say it was either Eric Bimefor or Ben Gretsch, but can't remember which one and might even be neither of them. They made a comparison to Tiger Woods when he came back after his, uh, marital scandal. And there was no like physical reason why he shouldn't have been as good at golf. He, he didn't have a major injury that all came later, but he just wasn't as good at golf for a little while. And then eventually he was basically as good as golf, uh, as good at golf again. And I, I think, that that's possibly a thing with Deshaun Watson. Like he might just need some time to get his swagger back. He needs to get time to get accustomed to the offense. Um, look, I think he's a reprehensible human being. If you're telling me that you don't want to roster him in Dynasty because of that, I get it. Everybody plays Dynasty, Fantasy, whatever else with their own particular code. But in terms of the question of whether he'll be good at football again, yeah, I think he's going to be good at football again. He was very, very good at the Texans the entirety of his career with them. He's still very young. I fully anticipate that he will get back to being an excellent football player uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, and I, I would be valuing him significantly above his current market value. Um, you know, I, I, I talk pretty frequently to people who are wondering if we're going to get the Sean Watson back. I think he's going to be very available uh, over the off season. And, and I think that he is one of the very few quarterbacks who gives you the opportunity for five to 10 years of locked in QB one production uh, who's not going to be going in the first round of super flex drafts and isn't recovering from a torn ACL. So, I mean, I think Deshaun is just a tremendous, tremendous buy. Yeah. I think like Deshaun Watson came into the NFL. He tore his ACL after like four games. He was incredible in his first four games as a rookie. He scored 24.7 fantasy points per game in his first seven games. Pardon me, not four. Yeah. Uh, and then he came back from a torn ACL and put up 21.3 fantasy points per game coming off a torn ACL. 
And then he scored 22 fantasy points per game. Then he scored 23.5 fantasy points per game. And then he sat out a year and then he got suspended. And now here we are. So we're talking about a player who's literally never scored less than 21.3 fantasy points per game in any given year of his entire career up until now. He's not old. He's got a lot of off-field stuff going on that's, yeah, reprehensible would be an excellent word uh, to describe it. But at some point, he's probably going to be back to normal on the, on the field. And I want him on my team because I like to win fantasy championships. If you don't want to roster him, I understand. But if you just want to roster the best players, regardless of off-field concerns or morality or whatever you want to call it, then I think he's a pretty good buy. He's currently number 20 on Fantasy Calc uh, in Dynasty Startups, which puts him after guys like CeeDee Lamb, Almond Ross St. Brown, Saquon Barkley, and yeah, just ahead of Brees Hall, Kyler Murray, Tua Tonga Veloa. And I, mean, I, think, I think he should be, I think he should be a first-round startup. Pick. I think he's undervalued by over a full round. Yeah, yeah. I think he should probably be about uh, maybe like six or seven, honestly. I, oh, I, I agree. I don't think Fully he should agree. be at the back of the first round either. He should be at the middle of the first round. So I guess that's a pretty glowing uh, review from both of us in terms of we should probably yeah. be going out um, to buy Deshaun Watson. We're buying Mr. Watson for sure. Um, another other person that I want to talk to. Oh, thing also, in the, oh yeah. Hold on, one, one other thing. We have to also keep in mind that Jonah Hill is still pulling the strings in Cleveland, so they are a pass-happy right, so pass So keep that in mind. We want Deshaun Watson. Okay, I think what we're going to talk about next, we're going to talk about players that we expect to gain and lose the most value over the offseason. And we decided that the way we were going to define the offseason was going to be between now and rookie drafts. Uh, so basically you, is this going to be including the NFL draft or prior to the NFL draft? Let's go with prior to the NFL draft. I think okay, that's a so, really important jumping off point in, in dynasty. Okay. So between now and the NFL draft players, we expect to gain and lose the most value, which, you know, I, I think, I guess the way that I'll put this is I, I don't really want to be buying in a bunch to players who I think are going to rise in value before the NFL draft, but also aren't fundamentally good bets because I don't want to always guarantee that I'm just going to be able to buy for mid second now and sell for an early second later. You know, sometimes it works that way. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, But either way, that's what we're going to talk about guys that that you, you, you can see short term, value rises or falls on so why don't, maybe, why don't you kick us maybe off? Oh. maybe this isn't a good premise maybe let's just switch it to players that you need to get out of before the nfl draft but you're okay. happy holding for now because i think that's I'm probably okay with i'm okay with this this is a negative uh i feel like this is a negative episode generally so let's stay negative these are players yeah, yeah. you want to get out of prior to the nfl draft yeah yeah okay i like this so are just to be clear then if it's players we need to get out of before the NFL draft, are we considering players who might stay about the same value and then die at the NFL draft? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones. Okay. 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 So, so players stay, 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 stay. And the NFL draft happens and the player gets picked at their position in round one and that yeah. we're including that. Okay. That could be one. It could also just be somebody who sucks and you're like, you just got to free agency. It could be a player that people just realize is bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Why don't you go first? Uh, well, I changed the game, so now I don't really have someone, so i got to find someone now. 
let me let me take a quick look here. Can uh, let's say can we also do buys before the NFL draft? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, well, it's kind of boring. This is boring though, because I'm gonna say the same guy that we say all the time. I want to buy Kyle Pitts before the NFL draft. Okay, that's fine. You can say that. We're just not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking about it. No. But here's here's where I'm coming from with this. Kyle Pitts is really good. And I think it's pretty reasonable to suggest the Atlanta Falcons are not going to win any more games, which means that they could be in a position to pick pretty early and or have a very desirable trade up option with a higher picking team, like say the Chicago Bears. Because uh, if the Falcons end up with the higher pick than say the Colts, then the Bears may elect to trade with the Falcons to get a little bit higher pick in return. In mm. which case, then we're looking at potentially getting a non-Will Levis quality quarterback into Atlanta, which would be very good for Kyle Pitts and Drake London's value going forward. Kyle Pitts is tragically undervalued right now. He's like number 34 on Fantasy Calc. So we're talking about end of round three of a startup. You're picking Kyle Pitts, and that's pretty wild. Yeah, so. I mean, Kyle Pitts still has... Highest targets per route run among all tight ends. Uh, I, I view would be only in a tier with Mark Andrews, really, in terms of weighted targets per route run. He's awesome. His offense sucks. His offense might continue to suck. That's possible, but he's very young. And he plays a position of scarcity, right? I think I've made this con- comparison either in the Discord or in articles or on Twitter or in this podcast or all the above. But if people remember when Drew you know, first launched the show and he once had, well, not this show, but his, his podcast, and he was telling people to sell A.J. Brown, right, uh, who was also trapped in an Arthur Smith offense that was wasting a fantastic elite young pass catcher. And, you know, to there made a certain degree of sense because we could say A.J. Brown is an elite wide receiver who's capable of being, you know, the wide receiver one overall in, in the right circumstances. But he's not going to have the right circumstances right now. And there are other similar bets that you can make that do have better circumstances. In this case, Kyle Pitts is similar in that he is a tight end capable of being a tight end one in the right circumstances. He probably won't have the right circumstances for a bit, but there aren't any comparable bets. There are other decent, good young tight ends. No one who's near Kyle Pitts' level in terms of how many targets he's earning, where he's earning them on the field, what his athletic ceiling is. So you just have to buy Kyle Pitts and wait. And it's just a matter of time where you buy Kyle Pitts. Hopefully it hits next year. If it doesn't, then you just hold. And you just keep buying and you keep holding until it hits because it's going to hit, right? Like, and, and the threshold is also lower, right? The other thing was AJ Brown was like, okay, well, what? If, okay, this year I think AJ Brown. I don't have it in front of me. He has, I think, in the high 17s and points per game, maybe 18 points per game. He's he's about 18 points per game. Um, that's fantastic. It's not league breaking at the wide receiver position. It's really good. If Kyle Pitts hits 18 points per game, even 16 points per game in non-tight end premium. I mean, that, that is league breaking. So, you know, the, the ceiling that you require in terms of actual production is not actually as high as it is a wide receiver. And you can be a lot more patient because there aren't as many comparable bets. Yeah. I think this, this is really one of the things I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the patrons struggle with as well Is I'll go onto the Patreon or onto the discord or onto the uh, rankings. And I will say, you need to sell AJ Brown. And they're like, what are you talking about? AJ Brown is so good. And I'm like, I agree. You need to sell AJ Brown. He is so good. The problem, of course, is that you need to be good and also productive. And his problem was not internal. It was external. It was Arthur Smith or whatever his name is. 
Uh, is that his name? Arthur Smith? Yeah. Arthur Smith. Yeah. The problem was Arthur Smith. 17.9, by the though. way, this year on AJ Brown points per game. So basically 18, yeah. Yeah. So the issue was that it wasn't that AJ Brown was bad. It was that AJ Brown was overvalued because his projectable range of outcomes did not include smashing and fantasy. And it was priced as though his projectable range of outcomes was smash fantasy. And that was where the disconnect was. Now, when we're looking at Kyle Pitts, we have the exact same situation. We have Kyle Pitts, an excellent player who we have every reason to believe is one of the best tight ends in all of football, who is not smashing because of external factors. The difference is that A.J. Brown was not priced the way that Kyle Pitts is priced. Kyle Pitts is priced as though his situation cannot change. And hmm. there's a chance that his situation could change. And if it doesn't change now, it will change later, as you mentioned. So the right thing to do is always buy Kyle Pitts. And I think there's a very – like the reason I'm bringing it up now is because I think you want to buy him before the NFL draft. Uh, right. Because if the Falcons can either A, a swing a trade, which is probably going to happen before or during the NFL draft, uh, to get a quality uh, veteran quarterback, like you know someone good, and or they're going to probably try to trade up to get a good quarterback – and if they do, then that's great. And if they don't, then they're probably going to take Will Levis. And Will Levis may not be good, but quarterbacks are weird. And sometimes even guys like Daniel Jones flash as rookies. So it's possible that uh, that it's not terrible, but it's probably going to be terrible. But the point is, he's not priced like he's good, and he should be priced like he's good. So that that's my guy. That's who I want to go get before the draft. Who are you getting? Or who are you selling? Can be either. Okay, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll take the same position in terms of a sell. You got to sell TJ Hawkinson. Um, this is a great time of year, in my opinion, to sell based on you know the feel and based on the exact production in terms of what people are feeling in the moment before they have the opportunity to apply the context. Right? I'm seeing people. This is the time where you look at TJ Hawkinson and he's smashing faces and he had a massive game this week. He just won people semifinals. People are feeling rosy and happy about him. This is the opportunity to be able to get out of TJ Hawkinson before people actually look back at all of the stats and people forget about the specific fantasy points and win. And they start looking at, okay, what was everybody's stats and how should we project these guys going forward? And what people realize is that TJ Hawkinson, even since joining the Vikings, has had a 21% target share, which is really good for a tight end, to be fair. But he's also not a downfield tight end. And he's a catch and fall down tight end. He doesn't have the yak. The big reason why it feels like he's been exploding is first place had a very nice catch rate. And most importantly, the Vikings have averaged 42.1 pass attempts per game since trading for TJ Hawkinson. Um, if you think that the trade of TJ Hawkinson is why they have decided to turn into a team that passes 40 times per game, I suppose that's possible. Um, but I would not expect any team to continue passing 42.1 times per game. Uh, we are seeing the peak of TJ Hawkins' capabilities at this moment on a team that has no wide receiver weapons behind Justin Jefferson and will continue to certainly have Justin Jefferson and can only get better beyond him. And, and this is where we're at. I expect TJ Hawkinson to likely go back to being the mid-range hit in one he's been for most of his career. And because of injuries and really adverse circumstances with Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews, this is a really a once a, a once in a I won't say a lifetime, but I would say once in a value cycle opportunity to trade TJ Hawkinson into Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews without adding all that much to do it. 
And those guys are simply a lot better than TJ Hawkinson. They earn targets at a much higher rate. They earn targets higher down the field. They are much more athletic and have more opportunities to turn big plays downfield. That's a guy that I'm absolutely looking to sell. Yeah, I think TJ Hawkinson is it's really interesting to me because TJ Hawkinson actually is third in the NFL in route participation, which is something that we're looking for guys to run routes. He runs all the routes. Yeah. He runs all the routes. He's getting a 20.5% target share, which is top five, number four in the NFL target share. He is got an eight out of 7.6. So while it's not great, it's not terrible either. That's 13th in tight ends, but yeah, he just doesn't really score a whole lot of points. I don't really get it. Um, likely the yards after catch, he's not getting a whole lot of those. And anyways, he's here's, I think, what really does it for me. He is currently tight end uh, two right now, 13.3 points per game. There's nobody in football scoring more points per game at the tight end position than TJ Hawkinson other than Travis Kelsey. Best tight end. If Travis Kelsey retired today, this dude would be the, the tight end one going into next year, which is crazy. Uh but what's interesting about that is he has one game with 39.9 fantasy points per game. He has another game with 35.9 points. And that's it. Those are his games. He's got nothing else. He's got two monstrous, monstrous games, which is hilarious. Uh, so I think, like, at a bare minimum, if you look at, like, the tight end position, it's like, yeah, a little, like, he's, like, a reasonable bet, I guess. Like, he's not bad. But then when you look at, like, what he brings to the table – versus his value it is it is just really 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 not worth it if you're comparing tj hawkinson to other players in his value range we can jump up like just a tiny little bit on fantasy calc and get to javante williams which i would happily do do you want you want to know what's really interesting about that i don't really care about javante williams to be honest i'd, I'd probably no, no, rather not no no it's not it's not javante williams you're gonna care about this because you like this a lot okay. you know just just a little bit higher, 60 more points on fantasy calc, which is virtually nothing. You can get to Trey Lance. And if you can get oh, yeah. TJ Hawkinson to freaking Trey Lance, you do it every single time. Oh, every time. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're talking adding almost nothing to TJ Hawkinson and Trey Lance. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. God, anyway, we're almost at a time. We're already at an hour. And I promised Matt we would cut the episodes to an hour. So Let's just do like one or two more and, and then we'll be done. Uh, yeah. So well, big, the biggest sell that you have to get rid of before people actually look at the stats and realize that he's bad is George Pickens. He's terrible. Come on. I just said we're going to end the episode soon and you bring up George Pickens and we're going to be here for another three hours. Yeah, George Pickens is currently incredibly the wide receiver 19 on Keep Trade Cut. Um, speaking of weirdness, Jamison Williams is the wide receiver 17. He, like, I think he's got two passes, but anyway, George Pickens is the wide receiver 19 on keep trade cut. And funny thing about George Pickens is that he's shown no indication of being good whatsoever. Uh, 0.141 targets per route run. That's not good. He's ran a full route share. So I guess congrats to him, but that also means that we've had, uh, five, Sorry, that we've had 526 routes to ascertain the level of his skill. And what we've ascertained is that he doesn't have much. Uh, he is 1.33 yards per route run. That's sterling. That is that is worse than Romeo Dubs. And I guess my ultimate question is with George Pickens is first of all, why he's you know valued anything like the actually good wide receivers in this class, such as 
Drake London and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And then my other question, of course, is why he's valued above the other actually good wide receivers in this class, like Christian Watson and Traylon Burks. And then my last question is, why is he valued anything like the elite old wide receivers who you know will actually give you difference making production a position that tends to not give you difference making production like Devonte adams and cooper cup and then actually I have one more question which is if you really like wide receivers who as rookies score a middling amount of points earn 14 percent targets per route run at about 1.3 yards per route run and run all the routes for their team why don't you just like the better college prospect who is drafted in round one, who has scored more points per game and costs less and just in Jahan Dotson, who's the same guy, but just better, but better at every, but better all the time. Just, just take him and he's cheaper. And he was actually has first round draft capital. And he actually drew targets in college. Only George Pickens, he's drawn targets never. Maybe he did in high school. That would be cool. But the, the next 20% target share that George Pickens puts in his career after being a voting eligible citizen will be his first. <laughs> a voting eligible citizen. Wow. Yeah. That, that was too far. In, in three years in college and too in the NFL, he has never had a 20% target share. Okay. Let's talk about George Pickens. Then. Right. Fine. Who's been let's literally get doubled in targets by Deontay Johnson and is valued okay. ahead of the dynasty substantially. Let's just compare George Pickens and Johan Dotson both played college football, correct? Right. Yes. So at age 18, uh, George Pickens was putting up 1.75 yards per team pass attempt. Right. And Johan Dotson was putting up a remarkable 0.54. Right. And so at age 18 was the first and last and only time in which George Pickens has been better than Johan Dotson. And then also at age 18, the market share of receiving yards, 23.29% for George Pickens and Jahan Dotson at 7.16%. So that wasn't very good either. So then, then we have age 19 as well. You're familiar that it played more than one year. So they played at 19. Yeah. Yeah. George Pickens again, 1.68. And Jahan Dotson, 1.33. So again, not as good. And, and then 20.53% to 16.96%. Again, not as good. George Pickens better across the board through two years of college. And then George Pickens tears his ACL and doesn't play his junior year. That happens. Sometimes players tear their freaking ACLs at the least opportune time. And then Jahan Dotson actually produced in college. And then Jahan Dotson went for 38.37%. Right. Uh, ever ever show us that type of production. He didn't get to play. He didn't play his third mm-hmm. year. And then he didn't play his fourth year because he was so That's good fun. at football. He declared early, and the NFL said, yeah, of course, yeah, come on in. Fun. And the Pittsburgh Steelers took him in the second round of the NFL draft right, because he's right. so good coming off. Which is good. And then, and, then that's, and then that's when he showed Then that's when he showed his target earning potential, right? That's when he showed it? And then he got to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And yeah. that's when he showed that he's one of the best wide receivers yeah. in all of football. Right. And how did he do that? Uh, I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to figure it out here in the next couple of minutes. Yeah, you, oh, you made it one out of catch, right? You made it one out of catch. Oh, he made some really nice catches. He started the television with a ski mask on. Yeah, I'm like out here film grinding, obviously, and seeing these amazing catches. I've also seen him push over defenseless uh, defensive backs mm-hmm. when they least suspect it. So he's yeah. obviously a dog. Yeah. got the dog yeah. in him. These are things that are important. Yeah. yeah Critical yeah. aspects to my analysis going forward. 
I'll be looking for that across the board on every wide receiver. I think George Pickens is the only one that does it. So point to him. Anyway, we can't be mad at George Pickens for not being an exceptional producer in college when he literally played his first two years. I'm not mad at him. I'm just saying you're mad at him. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him. All I'm saying is, is it not possible that a player who, when people watch him get targeted, they're like, oh my God, this guy's so good. And yet he was never targeted all that often in his two healthy years in college. And then was never targeted all that much in the NFL. And people are like, how is this reconcilable? What if he's just really good at a couple of things and not all that good at other things? And that's why his entire career has been one big flat line ever since he was 18, while Jahan Dotson might have a few more tricks up his sleeve, right? Might have a little bit more opportunity. And again, I don't even think Jahan Dotson is actually a buy, to be honest. Like a wide receiver 26. Obviously you do. You can't and he's also a 14% target per run. I think that he's also overvalued. But if I had to pick between the two, I would straight up take Jahan Dotson, and he's cheaper. What I'd much rather do with Dotson or Pickens is trade them for either an old wide receiver who scores a ton more points, or just get up to the three wide receivers who are legit really good, and I have zero questions about. Olave, Wilson, London. Particularly London, because he's cheaper than the other two. Just get up to London. Or all the better. I mean, you could. how much would you have to add to George Pickens to get up to Trey Lance right now? What do you have to add to Jahan Dawson to get up to Trey Lance right now? I, same I, thing. I, I'm, well, you not the same it. thing. You have to add more. That's you why just it's do the same it. thing. But, okay. uh, yes, I would say. Here's the thing. You went on Twitter. The public forum. The, the, yes. what, is, what does Elon call it? A uh, Shoot. A town hall? The public town yeah, hall? Town hall. You, went the, you went to the town hall and you were proclaiming that George Pickens is the biggest sell in Dynasty. The biggest sell. Yes, he is. Yeah, he, There's yeah, no he one is. bigger He's... to sell in Dynasty. No, everyone else is like 5'11". Which is fascinating. Fascinating. Because George Pickens is doing kind of exactly what we expect rookies to do. He's doing what I expect um, mediocre rookies to do, which is to be mediocre. And George Pickens is a mediocre prospect with a mediocre rookie year. So yeah, he's doing what I expect him to do. And then when you look at the other guys who did what George Pickens did as a rookie and you see like, I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins and Adams and all these right. other I love when we, uh, the, can people stop with the arbitrary comps list? Like what if we just did the What are you talking about arbitrary comp list? There are similar prospects that did similar things as rookies. What more do you want from them? Yeah, and we'll just pick the best ones. Let's just pick the best ones. Let's just pick DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. Let's not throw in anybody else who ever had a 14% targets for everyone as a rookie. Ignore them all. Just pick out DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. Those are the only two. There's other guys that did okay. similar things to George Pickens yeah. other than just those two. Right. Let's hear them all. Okay, let me let me pull it up. One, one moment, please. Pulling it up now. Right, and of course these, of course, and of course, and of course, you will only mention the bulletproof ones, even though George Pickens never should have been a bulletproof prospect because you just because he dominated his first two years in college. You pretended that his third year didn't happen. You were just like, no, it doesn't, it didn't happen. One year of production is good enough because he's got two years of production. He has one year of production. He has two years. Not a chance he met your thresholds in year two. He absolutely did. My thresholds are very low. It's very easy to hit the thresholds. Congratulations. You have low enough thresholds for George Pickens to hit them. That's 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 impressive, I guess. It's a little sad, but it's impressive. <laughs> so similar target shares among bulletproof prospects, because George Pickens was very much a bulletproof prospect. I don't know. Juju Smith Schuster went on to like a 1400 yards second year. 
Does that not count for something? Grass, Juju. I mean, all of these players who have similar target shares. Well, not, I shouldn't say all. Uh, I haven't looked at the entire list. But many of these players um, just like ran more routes in second year. And that's why their target share got higher. Juju Whereas George Pickens already runs all the routes. Rashad Bateman, Tyler Boyd, DeAndre. Right, Rashad Bateman sucks. Tyler Boyd sucks. Devontae Adams. There's Devontae your list. Adams is very good. Yeah, Devontae There's Adams is very good. So Devontae Adams. List. You're like, oh, you can only say the good ones. I'm like, they're all good, except for oh, no. Ron Hill and Bateman Adams. aren't done yet. Literally just Devontae Adams is good. <laughs> what about DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, well, he's good too. Those two are good. Okay. Those are the two good ones. Everybody else okay. is bad. <laughs> okay, so anyway, where I'm going with all this is simply to say that he has going, he's going to have very solid sophomore comps because he's doing what rookies do. Like he's not a superstar rookie. We can agree on that. I'm not out here saying he's Jamar Chase or or uh I don't know Justin Jefferson. Like he's not those guys, but he's fine. He's doing fine. Right, so why, well, why so why why store first round pick value and fine? Why not, why not use that to re-roll him into hopefully better than fine? And we probably will. Just not yet. He's still going to gain value between now and the NFL draft. No, he's not. Because people will eventually see reason. The further they get from the highlights, the more the people will look at the stats and be like, right, this guy's bad. No, they won't. They'll look at the film like I do. <laughs> oh, no. What's going to happen is they're going to project a second-year increase for George Pickens, as they should. And then they're going to project a second-year increase for Kenny Pickett, which may or may not be the right thing to do. That would be the wrong thing to do. And they're going to pump up George Pickens a little bit more. You're not going to get more for more than a mid-first. Here are some wide receivers behind George Pickens right now on Keep Trade Cut. Christian Watson, who will be ahead of George Pickens. Chris Godwin, who should be ahead of George Pickens. Traylon Burks, way better than George Pickens. Michael Pittman, I don't care. He's super mid. Terry, Terry Midloran, I don't care. Jerry Judy is better than George Pickens. Jahan Dawson is better than George Pickens. Marquise Brown is better than George Pickens. CJ Moore is better than George Pickens. Brandon Ayuk, I could care less about. Deontay Johnson is definitely better than George Pickens. DeAndre Hopkins, I would say. Whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Deontay Johnson's Pickens. going after George Pickens? By a lot. That is the crime of the century. You people Deontay, are this is this was my entire tweet. Deontay Johnson is what tweet? Has I, didn't a wide receiver. I said Deontay Johnson has literally doubled George Pickens in targets, and people still like big dude better in Dynasty for no reason. And is he big dude, is that his name? That's what I call him. I call him. Big I think dude. you need to stop giving nicknames, they're not working. That's not big a good dude. nickname. And and uh and Deontay Johnson's wide receiver 33 in Dynasty right now. Oh my god, people. Like, listen, listen, you need to go and get Deontay Johnson. Stop everything. Pause the podcast. Go and get Deontay Tell, Johnson. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is a wide receiver 37. I'd rather have him than George Pickens. Yeah. Calvin Ridley is also behind Gabriel Davis. So that's tough. Well, here's the interesting thing. This is where I'm going with all this. Is You are saying he's the biggest sell in Dynasty. I will agree he's a sell. I don't think yes. he's an immediate sell. I don't think we have to sell him today. I think we have time. I think we're going to get reception perception, painting him in a very positive light. Yeah, they like him. They like him. We're going to get... Second year bump for him and his quarterback. We're going to get a lot of hype for George Pickens over the next, I don't know, four months or however long it's still draft season. It's not a sell George Pickens today. It's on an emergency. He's not the biggest sell in Dynasty. What's interesting though is that you are a noted, noted last year or like four months ago to be a 
Gabriel Davis, radical centrist. I am a centrist. I am a centrist. Would you like to know what George Pickens' KTC value is right now? Uh, it's it's too high. Is what I'm going to say. It's, that it is four thousand seven hundred and sixty-two. It's entirely too high. I agree. Yeah, yeah. But but you're saying it's the biggest sell in dynasty. Four months ago, you were telling me you were a radical centrist on a player who had done nothing in the NFL for two consecutive years, less less than George Pickens has done. He did less than George Pickens has done in his first year. And you were a radical centrist. And here is the kicker. If you were to look at what Gabriel Davis's value was on September 15th, it was uh, uh, 4,742 uh, KTC points. Sure, that's like, that that like, week, that like week four of the NFL season. September 15th? One? Are you kidding me? That's week one. That, that is in, Okay, that is post his big game, the NFL season. Okay. Look at his entirety of the summer, okay? Look at his okay. big flat line here. From July 1, he was 43. at 38.58 all the way to August. He's at 4,000. He was living in the high 3,000s. And then when he spiked in week one and he moved up for like a week and then he came down and then he moved back up, whatever. I don't give a shit. I was never, I never valued wide receiver 15. In fact, we, our entire Radical conversation, centrist. he Get was at wide here. receiver 43 on Keep Trade Cut. And I was like, Biggest yeah, he's dynasty. Brutal. Absolutely. Yes, brutal. he's the biggest sell in Dynasty. He's not the For biggest sure. sell in Dynasty. Yes. You should sell him, but not yet. You, you can wait. He's going to get more value. It's going to be fine. But you're going to sell him because the problem is that we're going to sell him. I don't have any. I already sold them all. Well, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the audience. I don't care what you do. Yeah. Your team sucked. <laughs> <laughs> audience, what I'm saying is that you have time to sell George Pickens. The reason that I'm going to sell George Pickens when I usually don't sell second-year bulletproof wide receivers is simply because we do not have a strong projectable outcome for George Pickens. We have three's a crowd going on, and we have Kenny Pickett, who is terrible. So, like, we do not have a strong range of outcomes projectable for George Pickens, even if he might be good. We can sell him. We'll buy him back in a few years if he ends up being good, and it's going to be fine. But uh, we're going to sell him prior to the NFL draft. Okay, I'm glad we agree. George Pickens, biggest sell in dynasty. Give me one. Certainly more. not the biggest sell in dynasty. You, you gave me Compitz as a as a buy. Give me one. Give me one big sell or buy. I guess I did two sells. So okay. you give me. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell someone that I have been. This is our last topic that we're ending. Huh? Yeah, yeah, of course. We were ending yeah. in an hour, so we're gonna end soon. I'm gonna sell someone. This is a player that I've been fond of in the past. Kind of what has happened, what has transpired in terms of his fantasy points. I believe is as good as it's ever going to be. And that is in fact what I've been projecting him for was to be, you know, somewhere in that back end QB one range. He's now scoring in the back end QB one range. His name is of course Tua Tonga Veloa. Look at this, a rare good take from Drew on this show. (laughs) Tua Tonga Veloa is is like he is what he is. He's he's uh, Kirk Cousins. He's what people wanted like Mac Jones to be. Oh my gosh! They're like he is, like this is this is literally as good as it gets. You can't he's, he's see better than Jared Goff. Yeah, he's Jared Goff with. He's better uh, than Jared Goff. Probably, probably better than Jared Goff. He's probably more like twenty nineteen Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, but here's the problem though. He is being crazy efficient right now. He's he's like 
throwing deep bombs to two of the best deep ball receivers in football. And sometimes he throws 20-yard crossers to Jalen Waddle, and then nobody can tackle him because he moves faster than the speed of light, and and then he just like outruns everybody. That yeah. happened on Sunday. It was triggering. It happens, I think, every Sunday. And, like, he's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong inherently with Tua Tonga Bilo as a incredible since, since his, one of his two best wide receivers is John Ross, according to some noted dynasty analysts. Say what? Well, just I know some very smart dynasty analysts said that Jalen Waddle was just John Ross 2.0, so it's incredible <laughs> he was doing so well. <laughs> I thought you were being sincere about John Ross being on the team. I was like, what? No. So let me let me cover the John Ross thing really quick, and then we'll go back to the Jalen Waddle versus John Ross. Like two years ago, I think it was, John Ross signed with the New York Giants. And there was an analyst saying, like, this was a great thing for Daniel Jones. He's finally got a real NFL receiver. They got John Ross. Wait, what? Joe Ross hasn't done anything in like four years, man. Like he's not a real NFL receiver. What are you talking about? It was crazy. Yes. So many years ago, in fact, one year ago, I had made a, a thread. And in this thread, I, I had uh, I had comped Jalen Waddle and John Ross, who are very similar prospects. In fact, Jalen Waddle just so happens to be really good at football. John Ross didn't. <laughs> So uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And, uh, yeah, I definitely should not have done that. I still get Miami Dolphin fans in, like, in uh, the mentions of that to this day. Every once in a while, Jalen Waddle scored a touchdown. I get, like, laughed at. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you win. You win this round, Miami Dolphins fans. You win this round. But also, I liked Tua before you did, so suck it. And now we're selling Tua, and to, like, so there's the, the there's the fantasy aspect of Tua being sold, right? He's scoring at his peak, which is not exciting. It's like 18, he's, 19, he's maybe 20. He's the QB twelve in points per game, despite having like his absolute dream season outcome. He was in the MVP conversation, and all of that has led him to be one slot higher than Jared Goff in points per game, and two slots higher than Daniel Jones. Yeah, so like it's just not. He currently trails Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith. He's scoring eighteen point four fantasy points per game. So like that's just not good enough to be a highly valued quarterback in the fantasy scheme. Speaking of, by the way, Justin Herbert is scoring seventeen point three. So speaking of quarterbacks that are sells. Oh yeah, no, we've been selling Justin Herbert since last year. Like we like the you've been on that right? You've been saying so just like a year now. Yes. Yeah. Maybe maybe longer. Around a year, I think. Anyways, like, yeah, everything's great for Tua. This is as good as it gets. He's never going to be doing anything better than this. Scoring 18.4 points per game. It's just not good enough. If he was low-valued, then we would say, this is great. And mm-hmm. we were buying him when he was low-valued. And now he's not low-valued anymore. And that's what makes him a sell. Because at this juncture, what we are looking at for Tua Tonga Veloa is a very, very high price tag. Uh, in Dynasty Fantasy Football, he is going at, or on Fantasy Calc, pardon me, not, not an ADP, but a, a valuation. He's number 23 in the NFL, which would make him a late second-round pick. Interestingly enough, you could literally just pick Kyler Murray instead. He's going at the same spot. Deshaun Watson is like three spots ahead. It's an easy jump to get to Deshaun Watson. We're talking 49-37 Fantasy Calc points to 5,005 Fantasy Calc points. Basically nothing. You could trade down and get yourself a Kyle Pitts 
You could trade down and get yourself a Drake London. You could trade all the way down to player 45, which is Trey Lance for 36-32. And you can probably net yourself a hell of a lot on top. So the right thing to do is to make that trade and get, get out from under Tua Tungvalu at this juncture. Um, also, I just really wanted to touch, uh, now that I've pulled up the screen again, while you were talking about TJ Hawkinson and we were talking about trading for Trey Lance, on December 12th, somebody literally made that exact trade, TJ Hawkinson oh. for Trey Lance. And wow. then on December 3rd, somebody traded TJ Hawkinson and a second round pick for Trey Lance. So like it's out there, you can get it. That's cool. Uh, Somebody also traded Daniel Jones and TJ Hawkinson to get Trey Lance and Cooper Cup. And that owner is a freaking genius. He deserves the trophy wow. right now. Don't even play next season. It's over. That guy won. My gosh. Anyways, Tua Tungi Valoa is somebody that should be traded for Trey Lance if you can do that. And a Tua for Trey trade, you can do straight up. You probably shouldn't, though. You should get quite a bit more on top. Somebody made Tua for Malik Willis, Trey Lance, and Michael Thomas, which is pretty exciting. Somebody did Tua for Trey Lance and Cam Akers, which is fine because Cam Akers is probably going to get a groundswell of support here in the next little while, and you can cash out for a, a late first, early second. It's going to be fantastic. What I'm trying to say is Tua Tungi Viloa is not a high-end high end asset. He is valued like a high-end asset, which means we need to pivot and start selling our Tua Tungi Viloas. And, and furthermore, we have a gigantic history of concussions. Now, we have three concussions in one singular year, one of which played a very prominent role on Twitter and also like the video was horrifying. So like there's some off field risk, some injury risk concussions is like something that isn't like an ACL where we're like, yeah, it's like six to eight months or eight to nine months or eight to 12 months or whatever. Like a concussion thing, like that could end his career basically at any point could be over. So there's multi factors here to trade your tool. What say you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I put two and on. I've already made the media of the entirety of two and on. Um, I think my stance on pretty much every single play action quarterback in the Shanahan tree is mostly the same, uh, which is that they are generally pretty propped up. And I think that Tua is a serviceable scheme executor, not a generational young talent. And yes, I think he's much more in the mold of a Cousins, Tannehill, Goff, Jimmy G type player than he is a Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence type player. And he's valued closer to those players in terms of the archetype that he's in. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, since our episode when I was saying bye Trevor Lawrence, pretty, pretty, pretty good for old Trev. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So um, like, yeah, yeah. Just trade, just trade to him. It's over. It's not over. Okay. Like, he's going to have a long career. He's going to be Kirk Cousins. It's going to be great. But he's not valued. Like if Kirk Cousins was ever valued as a second round startup pick, he should have traded. No, Yeet. Jimmy Garoppolo was once. Jimmy Garoppolo. We've talked about Jimmy Garoppolo on the show, I think, before. And his, I like, think that we, I think that we hit end episode before we actually got to do it. What? Okay, really quick. Then my favorite take of all time is the time that Jimmy Garoppolo, after playing uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, he got traded with the 49ers, if you recall. And let's just let's just quickly check here. What's his name again? Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo with the San Francisco 49ers. He played four six games with the team, if I recall correctly. Nope. He played yeah, he played six games. He played five five starting games. 
He won five games with the team. Five in a row. Zero losses. He remarkably had a seven touchdowns to five interceptions uh, ratio. Notably just excellent. He went for 260 yards a game, which if you uh, compound that, that's what, 260 times back in those days, 16. That's 4,160 yards, completely unremarkable. And on the back of this 7-5, and 4,100-yard 4, 4, season, we have the great Jimmy Garoppolo. The great Jimmy Garoppolo, who was, who was a second-round pick, by the way. He wasn't even like a highly drafted, highly touted player. This was a second round NFL pick. He was valued in ADP back in 2018 or whatever that was at QB5. He was being drafted at QB5 after that remarkable 7 5, 220 yards a game or 260 yards a game touchdowns or uh, truncated five win season. QB wins for the win, of course, always, always and forever. He's awful, and I just can't believe that people trick them th- themselves into these types of things on a like almost daily basis. It feels like there's always someone that is just getting undeserved hype in in like the media. Are we the media? Are we are we the baddies? We are the baddies. We are also ending the show. A new record time. We got it in an hour and a half. Uh, everybody enjoy your fantasy finals. Um, hope everybody's in several. And we'll wait, be back. Wait, wait, before you sign off, how many uh, finals are you going to win this week? Uh, I'm in 11, so I imagine 11. That makes sense. I'm going to win five. No, I'm hoping for about six or seven out of 11. That would be great. Anything over five, I'm happy. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think I'll probably win five. <laughs> Ever confident? Hey, Ever confident? I am. Uh, I do have some fun ones though. I'm in one against Akash. Oh. Yeah. Whoa! We forgot to talk about Akash. We have to keep going. Roll the tape, Matt. Don't stop. Don't cut us off now. There was a famous, famous tweet that I saw on the internet where Akash just like pumped you, like emptied the clip, and you just bam, 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 bam. You remember that? No, actually. You do. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I do. That was really annoying. He basically. So yeah, Akash um, took a photo of the league that I'm in with him in which I started uh, Desmond Ritter over Derek Carr in a quarterfinal fantasy matchup. And I lost by the difference between their scores or less than the difference between their scores. And I was very annoyed because we had been on this show that week and we had literally talked about a separate league in which I had both Derek Carr and Desmond Ritter. And I had said, obviously I'm starting Derek Carr. Should I start Ritter or Dalton for QB2? And then... There was this other league. And basically what I do is I, I rotate all of my start sit questions that are like within a general tier where like I just want to avoid variance. So like I just literally I just like rotate me, through let, start sits. Let me cut you um, off and for so, a second. Let me and then people were like, oh my god, why would you ever show? and I was like, oh, I expect this bad faith trolling from you, but I didn't expect it from Akash. I where I why I wanted to bring this up was I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was a really great idea by oh, okay. you. And I want to pump your tires a bit. Oh, and okay. tell you did a great job, even though it didn't work out. And I feel like you're, you were upset that I was bringing this up when, in oh. fact, I thought it was great. I just thought you were going to dunk on me about Desmond Ritter, even though we looked well, good. Desmond Ritter sucks. We all know that. No, he looked good this week. 
But I, I, I like the process. I think it was a great play. Like okay, well, what people, okay, yeah. So what, what? I'll explain it then. I'll explain yeah. it. Um, so yeah. So what? Uh, what it is is basically we all know that start sits. Even though, like, it's so funny to me. Like the number one thing I still get asked, even though I haven't answered one in about two years, is start sit questions. Like people love asking start quit sit questions, and. As we know, start sits are like very random, right? Like if you if you have two players that are generally projected within a couple points of each other, it's it's a it's you really don't have a very good ability to predict who's going to score more, and b most of the time it doesn't even matter anyway, right? Most of the time you're going to it's very rare that you actually win or lose a game based on the start sit decision that you made um, wrongly or or correctly. Anyhow, and so the, what I try to do is like I'm in a million leagues. And uh, basically, you know, the way I look at it is, uh, you're frozen, by the way. Am I frozen or are you frozen? I'm oh, now, now you're good. I'm scrolling. You're just scrolling. Okay. So the way I look at it is, on average, if you make the playoffs in over half your leagues and you have a buy in more than a third of the leagues you make the playoffs in, most of the time it will be profitable for that year, you know, assuming you, you win roughly half your playoff games. And then generally – if you're not down draft picks, right? Like you have more draft picks per round per team on average, then, you know, you're probably not like way overextended on credit for that given year. So you probably have a profitable portfolio. And in my view, if you have a likely profitable portfolio, I'm less concerned with maximizing the average profit per year as I am with ensuring that I have a profit per year, right? And that's a choice that everybody gives to make. You know, are you going to try and maximize profit or are you going to try and ensure a profit? For me, I'm more concerned with ensuring a profit. So when I look at it, it's like, do I think Derek Carr is going to outscore Desmond Ritter in week 15? Or did I think so? Yes. How sure was I of it? Not particularly sure. Um, would I rather start Derek Carr than Desmond Ritter for I had to make that decision in one league? Absolutely. Uh, in that case, I had a situation where I rostered car in several leagues. I rostered Ritter in several leagues. And basically I had three Derek cars that I had to start. There was no other viable alternative. And I had one Ritter that I had to start. There was no other viable alternative. And I had two other leagues in which I had both car and Ritter. And so I could make it three, three, four, two, five, one. And I was like, well, I think Derek Carr is the better start. I don't think he's so much of a better start that I'd prefer to be starting five cars and one Ritter this week. So I'm going to play car my preferred one in the higher dollar league Ritter in the lower dollar league and go four two and then you know whatever happens happens and it just smooths out the variance a little bit for what it's worth the uh, it, both leagues where i had to make decision ended up being extremely close um to the point where had i started Ritter in both i would have lost both that i started car in both i would have won both um anyhow i ended up splitting and i ended up splitting the two uh and I, I did this for like all of my players, basically. Like I go through and I sort out where my duplicates are. Not every week of the season, I'm not a complete psycho, but during the playoffs, I, I do just to essentially smooth out the variance. Where if I'm like, okay, should I start Deontay Johnson or should I start Jacoby Myers, DJ Moore, whatever? I'll just kind of roughly alternate them um, just to kind of smooth, smooth out the general variance. And so that like, I don't end up having like four and 14 weeks. Like I, some people will play Portfolio Dynasty and have like, 70% exposure to one player gives me an absolute heart attack. For, for reference, the my most rostered player with a top 180p, so like excluding like total randos, for instance, like I sometimes I'll have like 60% exposure to like 
some like waiver wire guy that I just added in every league. But in terms of guys with like legitimate top 100 ADP, the most roster player I have is uh, actually Deshaun Watson, and it's 26%. So like I don't roster anyone like particularly highly. Um, I understand that means that I'm probably never going to have a year where I win like 30 out of 50 leagues. But like if I ever have a year where like, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, for instance, is my second most rostered quarterback. He, I have him in 10 out of 50 leagues. That's, you know, quite a bit. Um, it absolutely negatively impacted my year that he ended up getting hurt for fantasy playoffs two years in a row. If he was my second most rostered quarterback and I had him in 60% of my leagues, that would be horrendous right that would, that would risk catastrophic ruin so basically i i just try to flatten it out where i don't have to ever sit stars because i've never had them in enough leagues where i'm ever at the point of having to sit them um and then i'm smoothing out everybody else and at what point do you start this like how many leagues you have to play in to start thinking this way uh, i i did it at like 10 wow i think i have too high a roster ship of players how do you how do you look up your roster ship you can you can use dynastyplanet.com. We're gonna we're gonna look right now. Audience, just stick with me. I'm just pulling up my rosters. I'm I know you care about my fantasy football teams. I'm gonna get you Who's, something right away. We, how about this? I'll I'll share while Drew looks this up. Um I'll ask you who your highest rostered player of teams that made the finals is. But my mine is Travis Kelsey. I have him in six of eleven finals teams. How do you how do you know that? Because I just selected all of the teams that uh, made the finals, and I deselected all my other teams that have been eliminated. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, and my and you know what's crazy? My second most rostered player on the eleven teams that made the finals is fucking Lamar Jackson. So, buddy, like play this week. <laughs> <laughs> I dragged his injured ass to five finals. Fucking play, you loser. Just kidding. I love you, Lamar. But seriously, dude, play. I can't. I can't do this two years in a row. It's it tilts me way too much. All right, let's see here. I got. I got some players. You want my finals teams? That's the one you want to see. Well, I, no, I think it's your overall actually. My overall. Yeah. Okay, for those that are still tuned in, like we're going through my team now, so this is the most important part of the whole show. If you want to shut it off now, we're, we have no more content. We are merely talking about my fantasy football teams. My highest rostered player, this is going to come as a shock to you. You will not believe this. I have a 72.73% roster ship of, guess the player. Joe Burrow. No, come on. Tua Tengovailoa. No. Oh, Christian Kirk. Of course it's Christian Kirk. We're going to the ship. Let's go. (laughs) So I'm a little overexposed to Christian Kirk. Uh, worked out well this year. My second highest is Baker Mayfield at 63%. I bought a lot. He went cheap. Uh, and DJ Moore. DJ Moore, DeAndre Swift, Leonard Fournette, all at 54.55. And then a whole – but like I got like – So you play in what, nine leagues or 18? Uh, 11, I think. Okay, let's just count here. One, oh, two, oh no, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 11. Okay, three, yeah. four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, oh. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, oh. 24, 25, so 27. 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 
Okay. Seems oh, a little so high. That's three out of eleven. Seems a little. Yeah, that's three out of eleven. Yeah, I I have. So if I if I do, let's see here. I'm gonna hit. Gonna hit it. Um, how many do I have over that? Now, I mean, the thing is, like, I I I, I grind waivers pretty hard, so I, I have a lot of like random fucks. My highest, like, okay, let's see. So my highest rostered players. Although I would be way lower over 27%. So I'm, but I'm also, I have a feeling that I make more trades than you do. So I don't really like hold players that long. Well, I so, used to make a lot of trades, but since I started the Patreon, I don't have time anymore. Okay. So do you know how many players I have above 27%? How many? Seven. And, and do you know, do you know who they are? None of them are remotely relevant. I don't have anybody irrelevant over 27%. Here's my 27%. It's Ty Montgomery, James Mitchell, Chagosia McConquo, which showed up. That, that actually might be a sick find. Uh, Tristan Ebner, Kylan Granson, oh, Michael Thomas. There you go. And Jarek McKinnon. Nice. So Jarek Jer- McKinnon, a gift from God. Uh, Chagosia McConquo, honestly getting a little bit excited. And uh, Michael Thomas, uh, he's like my Baker Mayfield. I just keep thinking he's a buy, and then he's cheaper. <laughs> and I still think he's a buy. I'll just keep buying. Um, my most rostered player on all my playoff teams this year was Deontay Foreman at over 50%. Mine was Noah Fant at 100% finals rate. <laughs> wow. Okay. So oh, finals rate. Finals rate minus Travis Kelsey at 56%. Yeah. Oh, Noah Fant is obviously driving the bus for me. That's how I got to the finals every <laughs> week. <laughs> and then I got, I was, I've only made four finals. Uh, this year. And you don't and you don't roster any Travis Kelsey, right? I think you said this. I I don't have a single Travis Kelsey across. Yeah, my he's, he's my most rostered finals player. Six out of eleven finals, I have uh, Mr. Kelsey. It wasn't wasn't for lack of trying. I tried to buy him a lot this year. It just didn't work. Yeah. Something about like he scores a lot of points. Nobody wanted to trade him. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. You, that's got- the thing. You often you often need to either draft him in a startup, or you need to have like a rebuild. A team decide to rebuild. Because like, if teams if teams are contending, they will trade you anything fucking but Travis Kelsey. Like they're not they're not moving Travis Kelsey. So I, I got another like a bunch of players here with seventy five percent roster ship going to the finals. Mm-hmm. All of them all of them helped me get there for sure. Christian Kirk, of course. Then we yeah. got Corey Davis naturally. Oh yeah, Evan that's, a, that's one of your favorites. Oh, I do love Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, Julio Jones, of course. Taking Julio Jones. Oh, I have I have. Uh, I have four best ball teams that made it to a final. And Julio Jones is my second highest rostered. He's on three of the four. Do you know the only player who's on all four? Noah you Fan. Know, I, I could give you 300 guesses. You wouldn't get I it. I presumed it was Noah Fan. It's not? It's Kendrick Bourne. Wow. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's how you get there. <laughs> Tremendous value in round 19 of an 18-round best ball. And you know what the thing is? is like I, I didn't give a shit about Kendrick Bourne. Like I wasn't like going on my way to target Kendrick Bourne. But the thing is, is like two of my most rostered players in these puppies was Ramondre Stevenson and Jalen Waddle. And I knew that the Dolphins played the Patriots in the week 17. So I was like, well, if that game shoots out, like I just want to stack it. And I always had like I was drafting Waddle on like 30% of my best ball teams. And so because I always had Waddle, I was like, well, I'll add some late Patriot coming back with Waddle. And then I'm like, well, why not Kendrick Bourne? <laughs> so I'm just chucking Bourne into all these Waddle teams. And of course, Waddle ends up being a smash. So he's like one of my best, like one of the best picks that I have a lot of. And so Bourne is just being dragged along all season by these Waddle teams. Sure enough, 
we get to the semifinals, the best ball playoffs. Kendrick Bourne scores 22 points this week. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> he gets every, everybody's now to the finals because of Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> so then, then, like, after Julio, I got Fournette, of course. And then and then this is where it really gets good. I got Matt Coral. Uh, taking Matt Coral. He's, he's helped you a lot. And Sky Moore, too wide. <laughs> he really has helped. Going to the ship. T. Higgins. And then this, I don't have 75%, but I think it's because I just dropped one to pick up like Nick Foles or someone. Uh, I have, I still have two Antonio Browns just in case. Nice. Yeah. Here, here's my, here's my finals team. So alone at the top is Travis Kelsey. He's the only one above half. Then I have a, t- a big tie at five out of 11, which involves Chigozi McConquo who actually have started a couple times this year. Uh, Deonta Foreman, honestly, total goat. Uh, he literally did get me through in a couple spots. Kirk Cousins, perennially underrated. Lamar Jackson, perennially disappointing in the playoffs for me the last two years, but somehow I have him there anyway. Latavius Murray, the goat. Uh, Travis Homer, Tristan Ebner, Ty Montgomery. And then here we have four, A.J. Brown, of course. My favorite player, Cordero Patterson, David Bell, noted a sister of teams, David Bell, Jarek McKinnon, Josh Allen, Keenan Allen, KJ Hamler, the Hamler Index, Michael Thomas, Stefan Diggs, and Benny Snell. Love it. Yeah. I think Benny Snell is the guy you need this week. Probably. All right. Are we finally going to mercifully end the show now? I, I think we're done with the show. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's sign off. I think you need to, you need to roster Travis Kelsey one time before he retires. It's an incredible experience. I'm going to try again this off season. I really want him. I, I went and got some Kyle Pitts last year. I think I got maybe two, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm trying to be like, what happens is like in a rookie draft, I'll end up with like, you know, 40% roster ship of certain players. And then if they like falter in any way, shape, or form, I like go hard on buying them. So that's how I end up with like a whole bunch of Christian Kirk. Like when he was going in the mid, like valued mid to or like late second, early third, I bought a bunch of Christian Kirk at that point. Right. And uh, yeah, that's how I get with these like outrageous. One of my, one of my teams is in the finals. Uh, I actually have Christian Kirk on three of my eleven teams in the finals. And, great. Uh, and one one of them I bought for the 306 in a rookie draft, which I thought was such a steal. I like texted the guy the other day and I was like, haha, remember when I got him for the 306 in a rookie draft, you big idiot. And then he sent me back the picture of the rookie draft and he drafted Ramondre Stevenson with that pick. And I felt like an idiot. But anyway, <laughs> it's a win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's that's the show, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another show. Of some variety, I don't know what we'll talk about yet. We'll figure it out. It's gonna be we'll great. Like we'll episode at some point, and then we're, and then we're gonna be on in the off season. I don't know if we're gonna do every week in the off season. We'll probably at least do like twice a month, something like that. And we're obviously gonna talk a lot about prospects. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk some prospects, and we'll talk. I don't know. Good dynasty. We'll talk off season strategy. We'll probably do like an episode about like I don't know. Probably like all sorts of things. How to approach all the off season rebuilding. Yeah. Contending when when to do wonderful. what? It'll be great. We're talking, we're, I actually really want to talk a lot about like range of outcomes uh, projected yeah. and that kind of thing this off season. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyways, that's we're the show. Anthony Richardson like weekly. 
We were going to shut it down at one hour. We are now one hour and 47 minutes. Hashtag sorry, Matt. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review on, I don't know, the podcast networks. Maybe maybe subscribe to the YouTube. That'd be great. Join us on Patreon. That's where all the magic happens. Do Uh, that. Yeah. Farewell. That's all. That's it. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. Good luck in finals week, everybody.